you know, I, I, I see all the candy that my kids brought home, and, and they had a wonderful time at our Easter egg hunts, and we have uh, uh, Easter baskets that my wife gave our kids. Uh, actually, we gave our kids, but my wife went out. She bought all the stuff. She put it in the basket. She put it all out, and then she told me that I should come and join her as we give those to the kids. That's, that's our Easter experience right there. But, but one thing I, I'm pretty good at is, is making sure that my kids know what Easter is all about. That's one thing I'm good at. And, and, and so even from an early age, I sit down and I, I have conversations with my kids about why Christ came. That he came to die for our sins. He lived a perfect life and he, and he died a sinner's death. And he, and he rose again on the third day so that we could have the opportunity to receive a free gift that he gives to us. It's a wonderful message. And I was, my, my daughter, she's my oldest, she's nine years old. Her name's Harper. And a few years ago, I was sharing this story with her. My wife reminded me about it. We were, we were talking to her. We were telling her all about Jesus. And I, I was pretty amazed. I was touched because as we talk, told her about the, the crucifixion and, and sharing, uh, sharing about the thief on the cross and, and about Jesus being buried in a tomb and raising from the dead, she, she was emotional. Just a, a little girl, just emotional about this whole thing. We were touched. We thought, man, the Lord is moving on her. And then she asked her question. She says, Mommy, am I going to get to live with you in heaven? And, and my wife says, well, 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 sweetheart, we know that Jesus is making a mansion for us, but we, we don't exactly know how, how that works. Now, like, we, we don't know if you're going to live in our mansion, or we're going to live in yours, or maybe we're going to be next door. We don't, we don't know how that works. The most important thing is that, is that you're there. And we, we felt like we were being pretty good parents sharing this with her, and we, we were trying to encourage her, and then, and then she started ugly crying. You know what I mean? Like, like just tears and, and just boo-hoo and, and just falling apart. We said, Harper, why are you crying so much? And she said, I'm, I'm going to have to live with the murderer that's accepted Jesus at the last minute. <laughs> it's just crazy how, how little minds work. She didn't want to live with the guy that, that killed somebody and then at the last minute said that he wants to be with Jesus and then, and then all of a sudden he dies. She didn't want that. She's scared about that. I don't blame her. And then I was studying. I, 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 was, I was thinking. I was reading. And I, I happened to be looking at, a, at three crosses right in front of me. You see them all over at this time of year. Three crosses. And it's like the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my heart at that moment. And I looked, instead of the one on the, in the middle, I looked at the one on the left, just to Jesus' right side. And it's like the Holy Spirit spoke to me at that moment. He says, you're the one on the left. You're the one on the left. You're the one that accepted my, my offer. And this morning, that's the title of the message, the one on the left, because I want each one of us to make a decision this morning to be that person that comes to the Lord in the middle of our mess and says, Jesus, take me with you. Wow. 
You know, as you turn into your Bibles in Luke chapter 23, verse 32, I'm, I'm excited about preaching through that, uh, through that lens of, of the one on the left. But, but before we get there, I, I want to I look at, at, at the cross. I want to give you a little bit of background. I want to walk you through Jesus' steps leading up to the cross. And so Jesus took his disciples, 12 of them, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he took a, a few of them just a little bit further with him as he began to pray and, and, and to talk to God the Father about what was about to happen to him. And we know that the disciples started going to sleep on him because, you know, let's be honest with you, nobody ever schedules prayer meetings late at night. That's just, you don't do that. Okay, but, but Jesus, you know, he, he scheduled this prayer meeting at night, and so all the disciples are falling asleep, but, but Jesus is praying. The Bible tells us that he, he, he's so uh, intense in his prayer that he's sweating like great drops of blood. And in that moment, we all remember that passage of Scripture when he says, Lord, take this cup, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In that moment, Jesus was, was uh, turned fully in the direction of what God had set out for him. God's will. He understood that he was walking into the most painful death that anybody could ever experience. And just about then, Judas comes into the garden leading the temple guards. He walks up to Jesus and gives him a kiss on her cheek, signifying who Jesus was. And at that very moment, he betrayed the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings for 30 pieces of silver. Imagine that. Jesus was taken away, led to the council of Sanhedrin, and stood before a council that gave him a mockery of a trial. Standing before them, he was already guilty before a word ever came out of his mouth. They accused him and threw accusations about him, but he never opened his mouth until he says, until they said, you think that you're the king of the kings, uh, king of the Jews, don't you? And Jesus said, it is as you have said. And at that moment, they, they, they tore their robes and they said, this guy is blasphemous. He, he said he's God. They said, take him away. We don't need to hear anything else. And so they took him before Pilate for sentencing. See, Pilate was there and he, he saw Jesus and he didn't understand. He interviewed him, but he didn't see anything wrong with Jesus. And trying to get out and pass the buck, he, he sent him over to King Herod. And King Herod's excited to see Jesus for the first time. He'd never seen Jesus, but he heard a lot about Jesus. Jesus has been walking around the whole area, uh, everywhere Herod uh, reigned over, and even more. And, and, and Herod had heard all the miracles and all the stories, and he wanted Jesus to come and perform his miracles in front of him. But like a lamb before the slaughter, Jesus never opened his mouth. And you can imagine... You know, if, if the king wants to see something and, he ref, and somebody refuses, it makes him mad. So Jesus was roughed up and, and sent back over to Pilate. Pilate doesn't know at this moment what to do with Jesus. He takes Jesus out and he says, I, I don't see any problem with him. And, and the crowd is not satisfied. So Pilate brings him in and he decides we're going to, we're going to beat him. We're going to flog him. This is a horrible punishment. Legally, they weren't allowed to flog someone 40 times because 
at 40 times that person would die. And so he gave them up to 40, but not through 40. He gave them 39 lashes through a, something called a cat of nine tails. It was this, uh, this whip that had nine whips attached to it, nine ends. And on the very tips of them, it, it, was, uh, it was woven in with lead. And so as they were whipping Jesus' back, it was, it was dragging across his flesh and opening him up. They beat him. They placed a crown of thorns onto his head. Plucked it out his beard. Put a robe around him of purple. Put a, a, a stick in his hands. And they called him the king of the Jews. Because that was the accusation. The king of the Jews. After the flogging, Pilate walks Jesus out. The Bible tells us that they couldn't tell who he was. He was unrecognizable. But it was evident that he was still Jesus and he stood before a crowd, and Pilate, Pilate refused to, 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 to convict him of anything because he couldn't find anything to convict him of. And so, in a last-ditch effort, Pilate brings out Barabbas, someone that was rightfully convicted of insurrection, of murder. He was a criminal. The Jews didn't like him. The Romans didn't like him. And Pilate was sure that putting Barabbas and Jesus next to each other at this time of year, the Romans had a tradition of, of letting a prisoner go in good faith. Yet the crowd still cried out to crucify Jesus. Which was amazing because just less than a week before, Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem with people crying, Hosanna, which means save us. And less than a week later, they're crying out, crucify him. Why? Because the people that day felt like Jesus was supposed to come and save them from their problems, from their situation. They wanted a political savior. They wanted a, a, a person that was going to take control from Rome and shrug off of the Roman authority and take it back for Israel. Yet Jesus is standing right there beaten by the Romans. The very one that was supposed to take control. The crowd was so angry that they, they felt like they were misled that they cried out, crucify him. Little did they understand and little did they know that Jesus was there to save them, not from their problem of Rome, but the problem of sin. Crucify him. Crucify him. And so Pilate called out for a bowl of water to, to wash his hands from the guilt. But I want you to know that you can't wash your hands of the guilt of the crucifixion of Jesus because everyone has a choice. The Romans placed a cross on Jesus' back and Jesus was forced to bear his cross down what we call the Via Della Rosa or the Way of the Rose. All the way a hill called the Hill of Skulls or the Skull. It's called Golgotha in Hebrew. Jesus was not able to carry this cross. He, he fell and he dropped it and, and, and the Bible tells us that a, a, another person had to carry his cross all the way up that hill 
Once they got to the, the hill, they laid Jesus down on the cross. They put a nail through each hand and a nail through his feet. And they pulled the cross up so that Jesus was in his in the resting position of the cross. The Lord of life, the King of kings and the Lord of lords being crucified for a crime that he never committed. We look at the people there that were, that were there at the cross. We find out that the disciples had actually all left him. They, they saw the, the temple uh, the temple guards that, uh, that came and arrested Jesus. And after traveling with Jesus for three years, seeing all the miracles, seeing all the signs and wonders, hearing Jesus' teaching, even after Jesus explaining prophecies about him, that he was going to die and be resurrected in three days, they were all scared and they all ran away, abandoning him, with Peter denying Jesus three times. Three times. Everybody but John, that is. John, the one that Jesus loved, but yet he was still powerless to do anything. And we look at the people that were at the cross that day, we, we see the Pharisees. The Pharisees represented the religious movement of the day, but they didn't understand the cross. They didn't get it. The Sadducees, they, they represented privilege but they didn't get it. Judas, he, he represented uh, uh, nationalism and greed, but, but he didn't get it. Pilate, he represented op, uh, opportunism, but he didn't get it. Herod represented uh, secularism, but he didn't get it. The soldiers represented militarism, but they didn't get it. There was one person at the cross that got it that day. And it was a criminal. A criminal understood the cross. Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32, says, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and the other on his left. You see, this happened not just by chance, but to fulfill prophecy that was laid out nearly 500 years before that, that Jesus was going to be there for a different kind of reason. Isaiah 53 verse 12, he says, it says, he was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebel. These rebels were considered insurrectionists. You see, Rome took authority over the whole area, and it was a Roman occupation. Nobody really liked it. Rome levied all these taxes and, and embittered the entire population. But Israel was powerless to do it, except for a, a, a group of what was considered at that day terrorists that were trying to cause riots in the streets and, and create uh, disruptions that would try to uh, uh, make it difficult to, for Rome to do their job. These, these Jews uh, 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 formed a, a group that, that at every turn made it frustrating for Rome. 
And the three that were scheduled for crucifixion that day, Barabbas and these two brothers, were part of that group. Now, they were labeled as thieves, but there were much more than thieves. They were these terrorists. The Jews didn't like them because they made life harder on them from the Romans. The Romans didn't like them because they made life harder in general. And, and apparently and evidently what happened is that in one of the insurrections, in one of the riots that they caused, this, th there was somebody that was murdered. And so through the connection of the riot and the murder, they were sentenced to death as rebels. Murderers, thieves. I kind of understand their situation though. If we're going to be real honest, because they were frustrated with their life. They didn't know what to do. They tried everything that they knew. Maybe they tried for a little while to do things the right way and to petition the courts and to, 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 to go through the, the steps and the process and the legal, all this stuff. But they were frustrated because there was nothing that they could do about the Roman occupation. They weren't the kind of people to back down and back off. And so they, they began to stand up and just, and just cause trouble just to do anything that they could, just to, just to try to fix the mess that they were in. I wonder if there's anybody in here that had ever tried to do anything to fix the kind of mess that they were in. Yet, you know, just like I do, that the more you try to fix your mess, the more mess you create. Matter of fact, it can make you so bitter that when you do have the option, when you do have the chance to come to the Lord and ask Him to be the Lord of your life, you don't even recognize that chance. We come to Luke chapter 23, verse 39, where one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourselves and us too while you're at it. Can you hear that? That... The, the criminal hanging on the cross, one of them called out to Jesus to save him. But it really wasn't a, a question. It really wasn't a, a sincere request. He was, he was mocking Jesus. Oh, you're the Messiah? Why don't you come over here and save me then? Save yourself. Do something. You see, this guy was so bitter because he couldn't all of his life do anything to free himself from the bonds of slavery, to free himself from the situation. He was so bitter that even when he was right next to all of the answers of life, when he was staring in the face, the Lord that came to give him freedom, he didn't even recognize his opportunity. If we... If we look at ourselves, we realize that we're kind of like that, aren't we, sometimes? Like Jesus is the answer. We, we grew up going to church, hearing that story all the time. We, some of us could probably tell this story better than I could. Jesus is the answer. He died for your sins and he rose again. And we celebrate it. But when we find ourselves in the middle of all of life's problems, when we find ourselves in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our frustrations, we can be staring at the Lord of life and not choosing Him. You see, sin is that kind of horrible thing that grips our lives and we, we can't throw it off no matter what we do because sin is so integrated in, in us, it's, it's who we are. 
See, God gave us the Ten Commandments and, and, and gave us a way to understand what sin was. The Bible tells us that some of the commandments are like, thou shalt not kill or murder. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. I, I could go through those, all of them, but just those right there. And I, I'm pretty sure that most of us, if not all of us, are guilty of that. You say, Pastor John, I've, I've never murdered anyone. How dare you? <laughs> well, the problem is, is the Bible says that e even if you have hate in your heart, it's as if you've committed murder. Man, that standard, nobody has a chance. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. That little word right there, all, everyone, whenever I looked that up in the Greek, you know what that means? <laughs> Everybody. No exceptions. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, we're the criminals on this cross. We deserve that kind of punishment. And matter of fact, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us exactly what that punishment is. That sentence is. It says, for the wages or what you earn of sin is death. It's death. That's it. There is no other sentence. There is no other way to lighten your load. There is no, there is no better option. No matter what kind of flavor of sin that you're in right now, it's going to lead you to death. You see, it, the Bible tells us that if you've lusted after another person in your heart, it's as if you've committed adultery. The, the Bible tells us that, it, that homosexuality is a sin. The Bible tells us that if you're told a lie, even if it's a white lie, it's a sin. There is no chance for any of us, not one of us. But I am so glad and I am so thankful that that verse, the wages of sin is death, doesn't end right there, aren't you folks? Amen. Because it keeps going on, because it, it goes on to Romans 6.23, verse B. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, somebody, that's the gospel message inside of one verse. That you and I are destined for death. But... God comes and through his son Jesus gives us a gift of eternal life. Luke chapter 23 verse 40, but the other criminal protested. You see, if we look at the synoptic gospels, meaning Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we find out something that each one of the gospels has the account of the, of the criminals right there next to Jesus. But, but the other two gospels share this, that both of the criminals were mocking Jesus. But Luke tells us something very detailed about this account because Luke tells us that, that one of the criminals must have had a change of heart. Because he says... As the other criminal is mocking Jesus, he turns to him and says, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our sins, for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
Verse 43, and Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's awesome. That's a change of heart. Somewhere in the mocking, somewhere in the midst of paying for his crimes, somewhere instead of looking and being bitter at life, wondering why things weren't working out, he started looking inside and realizing that he couldn't do anything to get out of his mess. That he, he needed a savior. And in that moment, he believed in Jesus and he asked him to save him. And he called out to the other criminal, don't you fear God, even when you've been sentenced to die. You see, he was in a tough place. And I think that, that there are times in life where, where the truth is, is that we, we don't start looking inside of ourselves until we're in a tough place. Many of life's conversations happen in a, on a soft couch and everything's going well. We want to run to comfort all the time, don't we? You might be asking yourself, why, why has life led me to this, to this moment? Why do I feel so, so broken, so filled with anxiety, so filled with depression, so filled with addiction, so filled with all of this stuff that controls my life? I want you to know that you're in the moment and in the middle of paying for sin. But folks, it doesn't get any better. It leads ultimately to death. And it's not just this kind of death that's momentary and then it's all over. Boy, that would be nice in a way. That's called nihilism, that, that, that at the end you just die and then you go away and then, and then your suffering is over and, and it's all done. But that's not what the Bible tells us about what eternity looks like. See, the Bible is very clear about eternity. The reality of hell is this, is that when you die and you don't know the Lord and you don't call him savior, you go to a place that was never meant for you. It's a place of eternal darkness. There's no hope, there's no love, there's no light. It, the Bible tells us that it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that mean? It means for the rest of time, and when time ends, on through eternity, you'll be aware that you had the chance to make the Lord your Lord. You had the chance to be forgiven, but because of your stubbornness, because of your pride, because you weren't done trying to figure out how to work your life out your way, you chose to ignore him. You chose to turn away from him. You see, Jesus was completely innocent. 
Yet he died a criminal's death. Luke chapter 23 verse 41 says, We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. We see that in that moment, even though there is no prayer of salvation all through Scripture, we realize that it's a decision in your heart. This is the closest thing to that we see. That this criminal understands that he deserves his sentence but Jesus didn't. He lived a, a perfect life, yet he was dying for everybody else. And then we understand what that purpose is through this beautiful depiction of John. And we've all heard it. John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Who is this Jesus? He is the one and only Son of God that stepped out of the portals of heaven and eternity to clothe himself in flesh and dwell among us. He showed us what, who God is and what God wants to do in our lives. He lived a perfect life and he died your death and my death. We deserved. And on the third day, he rose again so that you and I could have faith and trust to believe that he can do the same for us. And he says this, and it's so beautiful. He says that you can come and you can have this life. He says in verse 43, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. That doesn't seem fair, does it? When I hear that, I, I'm encouraged because it's so easy. But then I, 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 I think about this. I think about all the times I woke up and I went to the 8.30 service and then I went to the 10.30 service. I think about all the times where I, 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 uh, I tried my hardest and did my best and all the uh, Bible verses I memorized. I think about all the Sunday school I went to. I think about trying to live my life right in the community and right before my family and teach my kids. I, I think about all the times I felt bad for ever doing wrong and the times I came back to Jesus and I asked him to forgive me and I look at this criminal and he gave his heart to the Lord right there and then he died and he, he didn't do anything to deserve it. That's too easy. That's too free. You ought to have to earn something. But then I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you're the one on the left. You're the criminal. I'm reminded that it's, it's a good thing that it's that easy. It's a good thing it's that free. That even today, right now, no matter what kind of mess that you're in, you get a choice. You get to choose whether you're the one on the right or you're the one on the left. Would you stand with me all over this place? Jesus says this. After, after he was crucified, they placed him in the tomb and his body rested in the tomb for three days. But on the third day, on the third day, he rose from the, from the grave. Sin, death in the grave. 
They don't have the authority over him. And if you trust your heart and your life to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, it won't have authority over you. You'll fall, fall under him. You'll go right behind him. He says this. He says in John chapter 14, I am going to prepare a place for you and I'll come again to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. We get to come with him. But time is short, folks. Jesus could come back any moment. As a matter of fact, not any person in this room is promised a tomorrow. You're not even promised another breath. The choice is yours. But don't take this moment. Don't take this time for granted. Because this could be the last choice that you get to make. Sin is a horrible thing. And just like, like those thieves on the cross, they can, you can find yourself in the midst of oppression and you can try to throw it off. You can got, try to go through the 12-step programs. You can, you can try to, you, you can go to church. You can do all the things that you think that are right. You can do everything that you know how to do. But the truth is, is that there's no way that you can clean yourself up. There's not one self-help book out there for you. There's not, there's not one person that you can talk to. There's not, one, there's not one thing that you can buy. There's not one other relationship that you can have save for Jesus Christ and your belief in him. Folks, it's time to trust him. It's time to trust him with your addiction. It's time to trust him with your past pain and your hurts. It's time to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head all over this room? Holy Spirit, I ask for your presence right now. Lord, that you would be going up and down each and every aisle, touching each and every heart, and drawing people closer to Christ. With every head bowed and every eye remaining closed, is an opportunity to give the person standing on your right privacy. I'd ask if you're here today and you realize that maybe you're not right with the Lord. Maybe, just maybe, it's time for you to trust him as your Lord and your Savior. And you're here this morning and you'd raise your hand and you'd say, Pastor John, that's me. I don't want to call you out. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want you to make a decision to make Jesus your Lord. If that's you, would you simply slip up your hand this morning right now? I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to call you out, but I want to be able to pray with you. All over this place, I'm looking right now. I, you say, Pastor John, I want to make sure that Jesus is my Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. I see you looking out right now. You want to pray a prayer and make Jesus your Lord. Praise God. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for sending your son to live that perfect life and to die a death that we deserve. But thank you, Lord, that that's not where it ended. Lord, that you rose again on that third day. Lord, demonstrating that you have power and control 
over things that, that we, we can't. And Lord, that you can save us, Lord, not just for all eternity, but you can even save us now, Lord, by restoring relationships, or by, by removing addictions, or by healing emotional scars in our hearts and our lives. I pray for those hands that were lifted this morning, that you would be the Lord and Savior and Master of their hearts, that they would trust in you with each and every step. And I pray, Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, that the same Spirit that raised you from the dead would dwell in us, Lord, that it would restore joy in us, Lord, and that we would walk in the confidence of your love and your light. And we'll be sure to give you all the glory and all the honor. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.